I want to uh, continue Welcome a to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. All names, and we're using Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 as our foundational text. And so, we're going to read that in just a moment. But you know, as, as we work through this particular message, I just really felt like the Lord wanted me to challenge you today to sort of dig in. You know, um, if uh, you know, I've got kids in college and school, and, um, and uh, when they're taking a class, it's important that they pay attention, uh, but not just that they pay attention, it's important that, you know, especially for classes, once you get into college and you're studying down a path you think you're going to be in, it's really important that you hone in and really digest that. You, you, make, it a, you make the information a part of your, rep, you know, what's in you, right? Uh, so that you're equipped to do the job. Well, uh, this particular message, I will tell you, it's really important that you open your heart up and you hone in on what's being said so that you learn this for application in your life. You know, I think sometimes we come to church and we look at it like a Facebook post, right? Oh, that's inspiring, and we move on, right? But I really believe it's important for us to digest this truth so that it becomes an incorporated part of our life. Why? So that we can be everything God wants us to be, so that we can experience everything God wants us to experience. And not only that, so this church can rise and be the church that God has called it to be. So, so in Philippians chapter 2, we find um, the scripture here on the name of Jesus. And so let's read this, then we'll pray. And just trust God to use me today in the manner he wants to use me, right? Um, I just want to be a vessel, uh, less of me, more of him. So let's just believe for that, amen? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him, notice this phrase, and given him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those in earth and those under the earth, and and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much for your word. I just ask you to lead me and guide me. Holy Spirit, use me. Speak through me to your people. I ask you, Father God, that revelation and truth would be, uh, take place, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened in Jesus' name this morning, that we would see truth in a new way, that it would burst forth in our hearts in a way that we believe it, and that we would begin to use it in our lives effectively. And so I thank you, Father God, for accomplishing that, and we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice there, verse 9 again, that Jesus has been given a name that is above every name. Everybody say Jesus. That name is above every name, what the scripture says. That name has power to move mountains and work miracles. That name has the power to save, to heal, to deliver when it's used properly with faith. And, And at the mention of that name, all of heaven stands at attention to whatever that name is commanding to take place. And so Jesus has been given this powerful name. And and, and as we're beginning to learn in this series, God has given, Jesus has given the use of that name to us. But you know, I ended the message a couple of weeks ago with a story of a, you know, I think many believers are very much like the the gentleman we read about in the story, you know, if you were here for that message, um, there was a guy back in the 90s and he um, went to a yard sale and he purchased a picture, if you remember this story, and he purchased the picture because of the frame. He didn't like the picture too much, he just thought the the, the frame was nice and so he bought the frame, uh, but behind the picture, inside the picture frame, there was a folded up document. And that folded up document was the Declaration of Independence. Uh, And it wasn't just a replica of it, it was one of the original six or seven copies that was made of the Declaration of Independence. Well, he didn't know that. He just thought it was a novel thing to have. And so he carried it around and had it in his possession for for a couple of years. Uh, But then he finally was encouraged by a friend to have someone evaluate it. And so he took it to um, a reputable dealer and they, they evaluated it and determined this is one of those original documents. So he had bought this picture frame for $7 and carried around this Declaration of Independence in his pocket or, or, or in his house or in his possession. 
Uh, but he decided to sell it, so he took it to auction, and that document sold for $2.4 million. I think a lot of believers are like that when it comes to the name of Jesus. They've been given that name, and it's even more impactful than $2.4 million. They've been given that name, and they carry it around not realizing the power that is within their possession. The ability they've been given to change their life. How many of you realize $2.4 million, even in today's economy, would dynamically affect your life? Can I get an amen? Same thing is true with the name of Jesus. We've been given a name. And, I, and the reason I said practically, I want you to sort of dig into this message. You've been given in your possession, if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been given the use of that name. A name that every knee should bow to, every tongue should confess to. You've been given the power and the use of that name. And so what we're doing in this series is really to help us begin to understand what it means to use the name of Jesus, what kind of power we're really wielding spiritually when we speak that name. And we said the beginning of really beginning to understand that, I'm going to do a little review here, the beginning of beginning to, uh, the beginning of the beginning, of really understanding the power in that name is to understand really the authority that resides behind it. And so quick lesson, you can go back and listen to the other one. I went much more in depth, but I'm going to give you just a, uh, maybe a two-minute Reader's Digest version of last week's message, okay? Uh, so what we learned last, or two weeks ago, what we learned two weeks ago was this, that first of all, God created the heavens and the earth. How many of you realize He created everything? And as the Creator, He is the supreme authority of all creation, he is the one that holds the authority. But we find in Genesis chapter 1, he gave his authority on this earth to Adam. He told Adam, you take dominion. You have authority. You oversee this planet. And so Adam became the authority figure on this planet. He had the right to move, to do things, to overcome. But the scripture tells us what did he do? Him and, and, and Eve, were Eve was deceived and Adam openly sinned and chose to disobey God and submit his will to the will of Satan. And the scripture tells us to whoever you submit yourself to him, that person you have submitted yourself to obey. At that moment, Adam took the authority that God gave him and gave it through his willful choice to the enemy. And we see this in scripture. And so all of a sudden, Satan became what the scripture calls in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he, he became what the Bible calls the God of this world. So although God is the ultimate creator and he has all authority, and although God gave that authority on this earth to the children of men, as it says in the book of Psalms, but then the children of men turned that over to Satan. So Satan in John chapter 10 and verse 10 says this, Jesus said this about him, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So this thief that steals, kills, and destroys became the authority figure on this planet. He had a right to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so for 2,000 years prior to Jesus' coming, he had free reign to just be the vicious, maniacal uh, 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 thief that he was. But when Jesus came, he didn't leave us in that position. God cares about us, and he didn't want to leave us under the authority of a thief and a murderer and a stealer, right? And so the Bible teaches us that Jesus died on the cross, and they crucified him unjustly, right? How I many of you realize Jesus was born of a virgin, right? Born of a virgin, not having the sinful blood of a man making up who he was, but the divine nature of God made up who he was. And then he lived on this planet for 33 years and never sinned. And yet Satan chose to influence who he rightfully had a right to do that, right? To influence ungodly men to crucify an innocent man. And so the scripture tells us that Jesus, who knew no sin, chose to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He died on a cross and shed his blood for us and, and hung on that cross unjustly on our behalf. But what that did was it created a scenario. The Bible says if Satan had known that he, what he was doing, he never would have crucified the king of glory, the Bible says. The reason, he the reason he never would have done it because he didn't realize what he was doing the same way Adam really didn't realize what he was doing when he sinned. Satan made a choice to break the laws of spiritual justice and crucify a just man. 
And in so doing, God, the creator, the righteous judge of all the universe, had a right to go back and repossess the authority that Satan now had, at that point, had control over. And what we find in Ephesians chapter 1 is when that took place, it says, And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Notice this. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and he hath put all things under his feet. So when Jesus rose from the dead, all authority was placed under him at that point. Talks about spiritual wickedness in high places and all those different things, right? That's not talking about, you know, natural men. That's talking about actually spiritual wickedness, the enemy, the kingdom of darkness. He placed that below Jesus' feet. And in so doing, he disarmed Satan of his authority and his power. And we see this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, And having disarmed the power and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What does that say? That says that when Jesus rose from the dead, he disarmed the enemy and made a public show of him. What does that mean? That means he actually whipped the enemy in front of his peers. The Bible says he that ascended first descended into the lower parts. He spent from a Friday to a Sunday in the grave, being tormented and tortured unjustly. But after that, that last day of his torment, the Bible says the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. A light from heaven penetrated hell and Jesus stood up and he whipped the devil on his own turf, so much so that in Revelation he said, I now have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Can I get an amen to that this morning? And so what that scripture says there is it says he disarmed the powers. So what that tells me is that, G, that, that, that the devil has been disarmed this morning. And yet Hollywood and even some Christians would glorify the devil to the point that he's some powerful being that we need to be concerned about. You know, there are movies, you know, I saw this uh, uh, stupid movie advertised on television, the Pope's, the Pope's uh, what was it, uh, Exorcism, yeah, the Pope's exorcist, yeah, it's crazy. And it's this, this uh, guy representing God getting whipped by the devil because he was trying to kick him out. How stupid is that? According to Scripture here, the devil ain't got no power. The only power he has is the power that we allow him to have in our life by not usurping the authority that we've been given in the name of Jesus. And so what we find to be true is, is that Jesus on that resurrection morning, he was given a name. It says in Philippians, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. It goes on to say that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And so we as believers, not only did he give Jesus that name, but then we as believers as we ended the service two weeks ago. I'm just getting through my introduction, is that okay? As we ended the service two weeks ago, not only was Jesus risen and given a name above every name, but we were given the use and authority of that name. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 120 says, And when he, God, raised Jesus from the dead, he set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And notice this. Chapter 2 and verse 1 says, 22 says, and he hath put all things under his feet. Chapter 2 and verse 1 says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And you can go ahead and read the other verses. But then in verse 6, the conclusion of that statement is this. And, notice this, you ready? And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What that verse says is that he raised us up to what place? With Christ. Well, where is Christ set? In a place where everything is under his feet. He didn't make us Jesus, but he set us beside him. And in setting us beside him, he put all things. So what they, I said this last week, you got something to say to the devil, just write it on the bottom of your shoes because he's under your feet. He is under your feet. That tells me that whatever problem you face in life, whatever circumstance you're dealing with, whatever attack from the enemy that you're dealing with, that problem is under you, it's not over you. So much so that Jesus raised us up and he gave us the authority to use, or the ability to use that authority through the simple 
use of his name. Just by saying his name. Say the name of Jesus. Say Jesus. When you speak that name, you're releasing something over your life. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19 and Mark chapter 16, verse 17 through 18. Now, Mark and, and Matthew had two separate sort of uh, perspectives of when Jesus left the earth and commissioned us, commissioned the, the church to go forth in his name. And so I, I just sort of combine these because it's really, if you look at both of them collectively, this is what Jesus said to us. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I've been given all authority. Everybody say all means all. That means he's been given authority over sickness, over poverty, over lack, over depression, over worry. I've been given, it says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, what, well, why did he say therefore? He said, I want you to know something. I've been given all authority, so I'm going to tell you to do something with it, basically. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice this, baptizing them in the name. You go over to Mark chapter 16, verse 17, says, And these signs will accompany those who go forth. Those who believe in my name, they will drive out demons. They will... You know, how, how many of you realize the devil's real? He's real. You know, sometimes we read a verse like this, and we just sort of glaze over it and we think it's only for make-believe in movies. There are real demons in the earth trying to influence men. There are real demons in the earth trying to deceive us and trying to deceive others. And what this verse says is, is these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out the demons. That's good news, amen? They will speak in new tongues. So if they, I, 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 for the sake of time, but I'll go ahead and do it, and I'll just, I left out a couple pieces there. What it says there is that they, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them. The reason I left it out is because that confuses people sometimes. What he meant there is you're not going to go around just intentionally picking up snakes, right? We're not a bunch of snake handlers as a church. And it doesn't mean you're going to go around just intentionally drink poison to prove it ain't going to hurt you. But what it's saying is that if you, if you accidentally pick up a snake, it ain't going to hurt you. Like when Paul shook the whole thing off in the fire, right? When it bit him. And if you drink something deadly, it ain't going to hurt you, right? And it goes on to say the rest of that verse. Where am I at? It says there, they will speak with new tongues. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, first of all, I'll say this. How many of you realize either Jesus was a liar or he told the truth? Did Jesus say those words according to the Bible? Then this should be happening when we use the name, when we believe in that name and use that name, problems have to go, mountains have to move, demons have to flee, and sickness has to bend its knee. But notice the operative phrase in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, those that believe. Everybody say those that believe. See, there's a lot of people who sort of muddled down that verse of Scripture to say, oh, God don't mean that today because they failed at using the name. But I would tell you that failure, when, when, when you see something black and white in the Word of God and it doesn't work like it's supposed to, failure is never on God's end. Don't change the Scripture for your lack of production. <laughs> right? It's always on our, we're imperfect. Well, that's a humble attitude, right? It didn't work. Well, I must have missed it somewhere, right? I didn't make the connection, but God didn't change his word. And what that word says is, is that when we use that name, those problems got to go. So what that tells me is that operative word is believe. We have to believe. We got to believe we're carrying around more than just a copy of the Declaration of Independence that ain't worth nothing. We got to believe we're carrying around the ultimate power source of the entire universe and creation on the inside of us, and it's the name of Jesus. We've got to believe that. We got to believe it's the key to unleash all of heaven's resources on our behalf. That's what that verse says that when we use that name, it will work. Now, the operative word is if you believe, right? If you believe in my name. So when we believe, it's the key to unleash all of heaven's resources. And so I want to spend a few moments just to close out this service really talking about a couple of key things about the use of that name and the power in that name that I believe if you'll digest this spiritually, 
You'll let it settle down on the inside of you. It will dynamically change your life. Dynamically change the results of your life. And I, so I want to spend a little time doing that. I want to read two portions of Scripture about that Jesus himself spoke about the use of his name. John chapter 14 and verse 13. Here's one verse, and I'm going to read John chapter 16 and verse 23. If you've got your Bibles or if you mark it, you can mark it, save them there. But John chapter 14 and verse 13. Now I want you to read these words as if they're coming forth from the mouth of Jesus because they actually are, not because I'm him, but because this is what he said. It says, and whatsoever you shall ask, Jesus said this, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I'll say it again, either Jesus lied or he told the truth. I believe he told the truth. John chapter 16 and verse 23. Let's read another portion of scripture very similar to this one. It says, and, in that, and Jesus said to his disciples, In that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Now I got to tell you, those are two powerfully emphatic statements that Jesus made. They're almost so emphatic that they're incredulous to the natural mind. How in the world could that be true? Jesus said, whatever you ask, either him or the Father will do it. In my name, if you ask in my name. Whatever and uh, whatsoever in anything are pretty broad sweeping words. Whatsoever in anything. See, as soon as you say that, doubt and unbelief tries to grip us and qualify that statement. Now I would tell you this, notice what he said there, whatsoever you ask in my name, right? So there's two pieces of that, right? Using the name of Jesus but asking for it in his name. How many of you realize if you can't ask for it with the confidence that in his name would, would be, he'd put his stamp on it, then you can't expect an answer for that. So it's not an open-ended statement to just be greedy and, you know, ungodly and wish, you know, fire down from heaven on your enemies, right? Why? Because you can't do that with confidence in his name. Why? Because his word clearly states he won't do that. He tells you to forgive, so you can't ask for your enemy's life, right? Tells you not to be greedy, so you can't ask for things because your motive is greed. Tells you, tells you not to be covetous, no, so you can't ask for things just because you covet things, just because you want somebody else's stuff, right? But outside of that, if he said it in his word, whatsoever and anything's pretty all-inclusive, Right? But the question is, you have to ask for it, or the, the statement is, you have to ask for it in confidence. And notice what he said. He said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So basically in these verses, Jesus, I want you to catch this. I titled this message, Writing Jesus Checks. You know, we're in an age now where younger generations don't even write checks anymore. Half of them have a problem even signing their name in cursive. They didn't even learn how to do that. I challenge you, if you've got a, maybe you're a grandparent or maybe you're just a, a parent, challenge you to write, a, write a, a, a paragraph in cursive to your kid and see if they can read it. Just crazy, crazy where we're at today. It doesn't mean, it's just different culture, right? Different tools. But the reality is, is what Jesus, I, wrote, I titled this Writing Jesus Checks because I'm not talking about this morning, you writing your check. I'm talking about this morning you writing checks that Jesus authorized you to write for him. That's a big difference. Why? Because what stands behind the check when it's his check is his stuff, not my stuff. And that's basically what he said. He's giving us, he said, if you'll do this in my name, right? So he's giving us the power of attorney spiritually to act on his behalf. 
He's giving us the right to use His name and put His signature on what we're asking for. So number one, that tells me you better be prayed up and careful and make sure you're not asking for a bunch of frivolous stuff that He'd never put His name on because that ain't going to work, right? But if it's clearly stated in His Word, you can have it. Does He say that He came to heal you? <laughs> Did He say He'd meet your needs? Did he say he came to give you life and life more abundantly? Not just living on barely get along street, as Kenneth Hagin used to say, down on the corner of Grumble Alley, right? <laughs> he came to give you more than that. Well, then you can ask for that in his name. You can sign it with his name. He said, use my name. Use my name, right? Jesus said very simply, when you use his name in faith, notice what he said, it shall be done for you. <laughs> Let that get past your mind and into your heart this morning. Now, I want to show you a couple things. You know, I, I even wrote it here. We need to let that sink down deep on the inside of us. See, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. Joshua said that a man is blessed when he meditates in the Word of God day and night. You need to take a message like this and a truth like this and just get before God and just dwell on it. Think on it. Just thank Him for it. Pray over it. Speak it. Mutter it. Just let that happen in your life over a period of time. Why? Because that brings an entrance of His Word that brings faith. We need to let that, this, this truth seep down on the inside of us. Now, I read two verses of Scripture, John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, where Jesus said this, that you could ask for whatever you wanted in His name and He would do it. Or the Father would do it. But there are two different types of prayer that He's talking about in those two different verses. And the reason I want to share this, it's a little bit, you know, technical or it's a teaching, but the reason I want to share this is because it will dynamically change your prayer life when you understand how to use the name. Right? Like, if I got a key to my car or my truck, and I go out to my truck, and I try to stick the key in the tailpipe to start my car, how many of you realize my car ain't going to start? I'm going to look like an idiot. You got to know how to use the name, right? So I'm going to share with you from these two verses of Scripture, because sometimes those two get muddled together. When actually he's talking about two different kinds of prayer. In John chapter 14, if you go back, you just flip it back over that. John chapter 14, Jesus says that he will answer that kind of prayer. Right? John chapter 16, though, Jesus says this type of prayer that he's talking about, you've got to ask the Father, and the Father will answer that type of prayer. So he differentiates. Now, how many of you realize they're one and the same, so God is one, so we could really get twisted around the actual on that. But the reality is, is Jesus said in 14, in, those in this type of praying in John 14, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to back it up personally. Not me, but Jesus, right? But in the type of prayer in John chapter 16, he said, the Father will back that one up for you. So what is he talking about? Let's look at John chapter 14 and verse 13. It says, and whatsoever you shall ask. Everybody say, ask. It says, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask, everybody say ask, anything in my name, I will do it. Notice he didn't say anything there about talking to the Father at all. See, that word ask is an interesting word. It's the, it's the Aramaic word ateo. It's actually, if you look it up, it means to demand. Whatsoever you demand in my name. Well, how many of you realize if you're going to be humble and submitted to God, you ain't going to come into God's presence and demand anything from him because that wouldn't be a right attitude. Right? The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. So what's he talking about when he talks about demanding? Well, first of all, notice what he says is if you'll demand in my name, I'll do it. <laughs> It'll be like I said it. Right? And yet Jesus said, because of his name, we're basically saying in this situation, I demand this in Jesus' name, and he's saying it's just like I said it. I'm going to take care of it. Amen. But then who are we demanding from? We don't demand of the Father. That would be disrespectful. Walking and pointing our finger at God and saying, I demand you do this. Uh-uh. If you can do that, you don't realize who God is. The Bible says there's a healthy fear of God we need to carry around in our life, and we just don't do that. He is the almighty God. And when we walk into his presence, it should be an awesome, submissive, humble attitude that we come before him with. 
So then what is Jesus talking about when he says to demand? Well, that verse of Scripture, uh, there's uh, a book I'd been reading, and and an actual guy that's a literal Greek scholar said this is really a very good rendering of, of what this verse says. Whatever you demand as your right and your privilege, that will I do. So who are we demanding from and what are we demanding? Well, who we're demanding from is not God and not Jesus because what? They're God. We're demanding from life and the devil what belongs to us. How many of you realize that when you don't have the money to pay a bill and the money ain't in your possession, it's out there in the world somewhere, right? We're not talking about demanding of people and men because God didn't give us that authority. People have their own right to choose what they're going to do, Right? But we have been given authority to claim and possess and to ask for certain things. And so what that verse is saying is whatever you demand. What do I mean then? How many of you realize when a mountain shows up in your life and you need that mountain to move? Jesus said, whosoever says to that mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, that mountain shall be removed. How many of you realize Jesus said that? There are times in your life where you're going to need to use the name of Jesus to demand, to speak two things and claim them in Jesus name or tell them to stop in Jesus name not only that but there's a very real enemy the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world there are very real enemies that are trying to stop the flow of God's blessing and the influence of God through you they're trying to stop that And we have to use the name of Jesus against those things. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound. We need to tell the devil, stop it in the name of Jesus. If you're going through a season where it seems like the blessing of God is dried up, tell the devil to take his hand off your blessing in Jesus' name. If you're facing sickness in your life, tell sickness to leave in the name of Jesus. Notice what he said there again. He said, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name. He said, when you demand certain things like that in my name, I will do it. When you sign the check in Jesus' name, he backs up the check. But here's where most believers live. Even spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, Bible-believing, word-of-faith people. They see something in the Word of God that God says they can have and they ask for it in Jesus' name, but they're really signing it by their name and their resources and their ability. They're saying, you know, oh Lord, I'm I'm, I'm claiming this in in Jesus' name, but they're thinking about their ability to get it. Even their their faith in the name they're thinking about. Well, my, my, my faith, he said, if you just put my name on it, I'll take care of it. Let it settle down on the inside of you see what Jesus said was there are things we can demand and if we demand it it will do it he will he will do it so what are we what is he telling us to do then he's saying speak to your mountain and call forth your blessing I gotta tell you as I was thinking about what needed to be done over here with this building can I get a list real with you if your family here this morning I was thinking about what needed to be done with this building over here. And, and, you know, we've got two big projects. We've got a $600,000 project where we're fixing that. And then beyond that, we've got a $40,000 one we're going to have to bite off to replace all the HVAC. Maybe a little bit less than that. You know, I was telling Bill during the break here, I thought about coming to you guys and putting together a bunch of cards and saying, who's going to be willing to pledge this much over the next two years so we can borrow the money and we can fix this thing because it needs to be fixed immediately. But i got to tell you something. Something on the inside of me rose up and said, if we do it that way, we will be able to say, look at what we accomplished. And the Lord challenged me, you're preaching about the name of Jesus Preach it to these people and then agree with them at the end of the service and claim that $40,000 and watch me do what I said I would do. You say, well, how's he going to do it? Well, he may talk to you about giving a portion of that. That's on you. That ain't my problem. And that ain't anybody, they say the collective church's problem. That's on you. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. If he don't tell you to do nothing, don't. God will figure out a way to meet that need. And I'm I'm telling you right now, I'm digging my heels on this, I will not borrow money to fix that problem. 
We will believe God together and the money will come in supernaturally, whether it's into your hands and then through your hands or whether it's from somebody that ain't sitting here this morning or somebody wants to bless us. Jesus will do. He said, if you ask in my name. How many of you believe Jesus would put his stamp on approval on having a church building working properly so that we can comfortably worship him, serve him, do what we need to do with our kids and have baptism services? Think he put his signature on that one? I don't know. Well, some of you do. Do you believe he put his signature on that one? Then I'm going to tell you one of the things we're going to do when we close the service out here is we're going to come together in Jesus' name and we're going to claim that money is ours. We'll tell angels in the name of Jesus that are given to us at our disposal to go forth and figure out a way to get the money in here. And then I would just tell you to get ready. Why? So you can watch it get fixed? No, because you're about to get blessed. Because you said here, I mean, he's going to use channels that he has, right? And he ain't going to ask you to go into debt for it. He ain't gonna, he's just going to bless you. And you're going to be able to be sensitive. And he's going to be able to say, do that. No more, no less. And everybody does that. We'll get, we'll, we'll get there and we can say, look what the Lord did. Not because we did a pledge campaign. Not because we did it some traditional way. But because we did what we preach here at this church. We use the name of Jesus. And God did a miracle. Amen. I can see heads just a spinning, but that's okay. Whatsoever, notice what he said again. I'm going to read it again, then we'll jump to the next one. John 14, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that shall I do. He says, whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, anything in my name. Remember, if you can't put his name on it, you can't ask it. But if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And we see Jesus backing that up in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Notice what it says here. It says, and these signs will accompany those that believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will place their hands on sick and they will get well. Verse 20. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word. Now, how many of you realize that Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18 was not written down anywhere in a Bible somewhere when, when, when he said that. At the time this happened, it wasn't written anywhere. There was no word. There was no Bible. There was no scripture. They were just acting on his word. But what it says here, it says the Lord worked with him and confirmed whose word? Their word? He confirmed whose word? His word. But who spoke that word? Was it him that spoke it or was it them that spoke it? So when we use the name of Jesus, it's like he's saying it. And what he said there, it says the Lord, they went forth and they said, devils come out, be healed in Jesus' name. And when they said that in Jesus' name, Jesus was like, that's like I said it. I got to do it. Not because we're running around dragging Jesus around by the nose. He wants to do it. He's waiting for you to use the name. And so notice it says, the Lord work with him confirming his word. So we have that one type of prayer where we demand and we declare. But now go over to John chapter 16. I want to show you something different. Y'all still with me? John chapter 16, verse 23. Jesus says, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. Well, what day is that? Well, he was talking to his disciples about how he's about to go to the cross and rise from the dead after he rose from the dead. In that day, between the time he rose from the dead to now until he returns. And to be frank with you, forever. <laughs> he says, and in that day, what day? The day after he's risen, you shall ask me nothing. Now notice that. That is something that most believers don't even recognize. You've got a lot of people running, help me Jesus. Oh, help me Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, Jesus, please help me. He said, in that day, don't ask me anything. Technically speaking, saying help me Jesus is not a valid prayer. Nothing wrong with worshiping Jesus, loving Jesus, but Je Jesus said it, not me, right? In that day you shall ask me nothing. Why? Because he's standing along beside you as your advocate when you go to the Father to ask something as if he's asking it. He says, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Verse 23, say ask. That word ask in verse 23 is not the same word as in John chapter 14. It's a different Greek word. That Greek word is a ratio, and it means to make a humble request. 
So there are two types of prayer Jesus was talking about in which we could use the name of Jesus. One we've already talked about, where you can demand and declare that the devil take his hands off your stuff. You can claim what God says is yours. You can proclaim it in Jesus' name, and Jesus will back it up and do it for you with his power. But in this verse, it's where we humbly come before the Father and ask Him for things. How many of you realize there's some things that the Word doesn't clearly state you can have that you can have that are good for you, but you've got to ask God for them? Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, and He will give it to you. You know, I'm reminded of a situation. You know, what, what, what are the things we need to ask God for there? You know, how do we get not wrapped around the axle and get so technical? Like, well, do I ask for it or do I demand it? If you don't know, just demand it and ask for it. God's not uptight. Do both. Amen. <laughs> Make it easy. But what do you ask for? Think about it for a minute. In Acts chapter 4, the church came together and they said, Oh Lord, stretch forth your hand by the name of your holy child Jesus to do signs and wonders. So guess what? We need to ask God for his power and signs and wonders to show up in our midst as a congregation and a church and a body of believers. Before you come Wednesday night for our worship night, ask God in Jesus' name to show up and do mighty things. And then come expecting that God will do it because we asked. Amen? What else? Ephesians, all of the epistles, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, you read through those, and in those books there are prayers. Paul said, to the God to whom I bow my knee in many different places, where he prayed to God the Father, and he asked for things. What did he ask for? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Although Jesus has been made those things for us, the Bible says we need to ask for those things. If you lack wisdom, humble yourself and ask God for it. There are things we have to come to God with and say, Lord, I don't know the answer to that. I need your help with this. There are some things that are not in our possession that we should ask for, right? Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38 tells us, ask for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. And we realize we need to be asking God regularly for more people in this church that are willing to serve God. Why? Because there's a vision for us to accomplish. Amen. Specific things not called out in Scripture. If you ask the Father for it in Jesus' name, He'll do it. You say anything? He, notice what the phrase, notice what it said there. I'm going to go back and read it, make sure I'm not misreading it. He said, whatsoever. Everybody say, whatsoever. Pretty open-ended, right? I'm reminded of a time, you know, how many of you, how many realize, or, who can tell me what color my truck is that I drive? It's black. It's got over 300,000 miles on it. But let me tell you the story behind that truck and how that truck came into my possession. I was driving around a, a, a silver 4Runner. I love my 4Runner. But it started having problems and giving me issues. So I'll never forget this. I sat down and looked at my bills, and I was like, Lord, I, I can't see how I can afford a new car. I, I, I don't want to go into debt for a new car, so I'm going to just do what your word says to do. I'm going to ask you, for a new means of transportation in Jesus' name that's reliable and I can count on. Now some people say, oh, God don't care about that. Oh yeah, he does. He cares about every hair on your head. And I said, I thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Within a week. Within a week. Somebody called me I hadn't talked to in 15 years and said, hey, I got this truck. It's in great shape. It's like it's brand new. I want to give it to the church so you can drive it as the pastor of that church. I said, okay. Under my breath, I'm thinking, he did it for me. No payment, lower insurance. Now, my truck's got 330. Why don't you do that again? That thing's got 333,000 miles. I know my kids would say that every time they get in it. I'll tell you why, because I like my truck. It's a constant reminder to me that God answers prayer. Now, there may be a day I get rid of it, but I like driving around my stinky old truck with dog hair all in it because I take my dog walking sometimes. I like it. I like being able to brag about the fact that it's got 333,000 miles on it. It's a great conversation piece. But the reason I share that story with you is this, and I can tell you there's other stories I could share in my life and the lives of those that I love and that I've talked to and that they've learned and sat under my teachings. Not because I'm something. I don't mean that. I hate to even say my teachings. That sounded so arrogant. Don't mean that but they've listened to the word of God that I've tried my best to teach, let's put it that way, where they've prayed and God has answered. And he's answered whatsoever. The reason I'm sharing that with you this morning is not so you can be greedy because God won't, you can't pray in the name of Jesus being greedy. 
It won't work. But I am telling you this so that if your heart's in the right place and you have a need in your life, you can actually go to the Father in the name of Jesus with Jesus standing right beside you as your advocate. And you can say, Lord, I ask you for this in Jesus' name. And you can walk away with an expectation of what Jesus told you God would do. He will do it. Now, as the musicians come, went a little longer than normal this morning. I thought this one would be shorter. But I want to read those two verses again, and I want you to notice the emphatic nature of these statements, the drastic nature of these statements Jesus made. And I want you to read them realizing these drip forth from the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the one that we put our hope in for salvation. This is what he says. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name. So in that verse, it's whatsoever you shall demand in my name. That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything, demand anything in my name, I will do it but John 16 23 also says and in that day you shall ask me nothing for verily I say unto you whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name he will give it you hitherto you've asked nothing in my name ask this is pretty emphatic ask and you shall receive <laughs> there ain't no if it be my will sometimes I'll say yes and no to that he says ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Amen? Can you think of something in your life that is necessary to make your life more comfortable, that is necessary to turn your life in a direction where you can serve God more effectively? I would tell you that would give you joy if it happened. Then if you can believe in the key of the name of Jesus, it will be done for you. Amen? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name. He's given him a name that is above every name. Heaven stands at attention at the use of that name. Why? Because it's as if he was saying the words himself. When we align ourselves with God's word, I don't want anybody to run out of here and misunderstand what I'm saying, but when we align ourselves with what God's word says and we use that name, all of heaven stands at attention and says, what needs to be done next to make that happen? And so as a group of believers, and notice Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18, I'm going to close with this and then we'll pray. It says, Assuredly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, <laughs> it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. King Tommy translation. You want to hear what he's saying? He's saying, when you come together in my name and collectively ask for something in my name, it's as if I'm standing right there with you and I'm making the request myself, therefore my Father will do it for you. So, we've all agreed. I I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. I mean, you realize you ain't got to get worked up, sweat, shout, and run. You ain't got to get all worked up, right? Because, I mean, you realize you go out and start your car and use the key. You don't, all right, I got to get in the right mindset for that car to start. Right? You just put it in, turn the key, or push the thing because you got the fob with you, right? It just, that's it. We ain't got to get worked up into some crazy lather and run around here and hang from the chandeliers as some people would make you think you got to do to get to a place where you can believe God for answers. You just got to use the name. And believe it so I'm gonna do something as the pastor of this church if you can agree with me agree with me if you can't agree with me just stay neutral <laughs> I'm gonna believe God I'm just gonna tell you right now I'm sick and tired of driving by that old building that needs to be fixed not just the one where the HP I'm sick of all of it being in the position it is we that building in the back needs to be fixed our offices need to be there we all of those things so together, I'm going to ask you to agree with me, and we are going to claim the money for our building project in Jesus' name. We're going to ask the Father for it and thank Him for it as well. Not only that, we are going to claim the money for our HVAC. 
so that it can quickly get fixed and our kids this summer won't have to sit in hot weather and we can have a baptism service in July if we want to, right? Can you all agree with me on that? And then after we pray, we'll go do something else. Let's just pray, Father. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of your son, Jesus, the name that is above every name, that all of heaven stands at attention. So I thank you, you are listening with a listening ear right now. And Father, we ask, first of all, for the resources and finances to complete the job, to actually do that building the way it needs to be done. Not pieced together and hodgepodge, but done in such a way that it exudes the glory and majesty of heaven. I thank you for the $600,000 to complete that job in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I thank you in addition for that, for quickly the $40,000, or a little less than that if necessary, but we'll take the full 40 to pay for that HVAC and repair that. We call it done right now in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we demand, not of you, but we declare angels go forth as ministering spirits and influence and bring the finances in. Devil, take your hands off the finances that God has set aside already because we've asked for this, these two tasks. We call that money in and we speak to it as Jesus spoke to a mountain, we speak to those finances and we claim them and call them in in Jesus name now we call it done we believe what you said you will do it oh thank you thank you father you'll do it thank you Jesus you're standing behind it to do it thank you for it in Jesus name thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast we really hope you enjoyed this message if this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.